Hey everybody, my name is Kyla. Welcome to my channel where I talk about the stock market and the economy amongst other things. Today I want to talk about Guy Debord's Society of the Spectacle and Plato's Cave and then talk about the romanticization of mental illness, the mystification of society, and how algorithms and AI show us what digital confines look like and all of this is relative to economic growth. So first off, Plato's Cave is this allegory where there's prisoners in a cave and they believe that the shadows dancing on the walls are true. So the their captors will sometimes talk and make these shadows sound like they're real humans. And the prisoners are like, heck yeah, like this is this is real stuff right here. One prisoner ends up going and escaping, gets to the top, gets out of the cave, and sees that there's a world beyond. There's a sun, right? Everything that they thought existed was not true. So he goes back down into the cave and he's like, guys, like those shadows are not real, dude. Like, whoa, <laughs> you gotta go outside. But when he gets into the cave, all his eyesight's messed up because it's really dark in there. And so he's kind of acting crazy. And so the other prisoners are like, why would we listen to you? Like, you're being weird. <laughs> These shadows are real. What we see in front of us is real. This illusion of reality is real. You're wrong. And so it has two main takeaways, right? It's this idea that what we see isn't always the truth. And then also, you can't convince other people that their truth is wrong. And then there's Guy Debord and Society of the Spectacle. So Guy Debord, 1960s-ish, you know, mass media, television was just on the rise. And he's like, whoa, okay, everybody, we have to get a gut check on what's going on here because everybody is getting real obsessed with what's going on on this TV, and I'm a little worried about it. I don't think people should be watching this much TV. I think that we're becoming obsessed with appearances, the appearances of appearances, the illusion of truth, right? Like everybody is now watching these shadows on the wall, shadows on the TV, and thinking that that is 100% a reality that they are attuned to. All of this ties into what I'm going to talk about later in the video, which is mental health and how that ties into how we consume media, Mr. Beast, and the misinformation and disinformation that has been radiating because of what's going on in Israel and Gaza. And that's a very reductive summary of what's going on in Israel and Gaza, but yes. There's a quote that from this philosopher that says, But certainly for the present age, which prefers the sign to the thing signified, the copy to the original, representation to reality, the appearance to the essence, illusion only is sacred, truth profane. Nay, sacredness is held to be enhanced in proportion as truth decreases and illusion increases, so that the highest degree of illusion comes from the highest degree of sacredness. Kierkegaard once said that there's two ways to be fooled. Number one, to believe what isn't true, and number two, to refuse to believe what is true. And this gets into to this idea of illusion as the only truth. So what we think is true ends up being what we think is true and therefore what is true. Gita Bohr talks about this, right? Like the illusion of the truth is the only truth because we have a consumerism society. Like everything is driven by what you end up purchasing. For Gita Bohr, it wasn't about what these things actually were. It's about what they represented. So if you, you know, buy a bunch of shoes and you buy a bunch of purses, the only reason that that commodity matters is because of how it appears. So Socially, it matters far more in terms of its value than anything that it's made up of. This is the whole premise of luxury brands. It's like, okay, this watch is made mostly out of other watch parts and it's very similar to other watches, but because of the name, because of the branding, it's worth a lot more. Because of how it's perceived at a societal level, it becomes much more valuable. It's a symbolic representation of a social agreement. You can see this with brands like Skims, with Yeezys, like Skims is Kim Kardashian's watch. Uh, lingerie brand, very expensive, easy, 
Kanye West shoes was very expensive when they were very popular, but they were still just lingerie and they were still just shoes. And so if the value is how it appears socially, it's a symbolic representation of how it appears socially. And so Guy Debord argues that, you know, it's not just us buying these things that matter, it's this economic status quo. So it's how these things are perceived. The goal of the spectacle, so this appearance of appearances, the illusion of the truth, is in this form of alienation. If you keep people distracted, that you're going to be separated from reality, you're going to be separated from society, you're gonna be separated from each other, and then finally you're going to be separated from yourself. And part of the issue with this is like, sure, we're being alienated by this drive of consumerism, the drive of individualism, which I've talked about in other videos, but it's also how we get our information. So the illusion ends up mattering more than the truth because you don't look around you anymore. The, like, you don't, our reality is no longer something that we directly perceive other than through the lens of other people. So the only way that we really get information is through a screen, through watching videos on Twitter, through checking TV, through reading the newspaper, the appearances begin to matter more to us than the bottom of the true reality of what's ever going on because of stuff that I'll talk about later where it's this idea of in-group, this idea of identifying with other people and being a part of the spectacle. The Gita Bohr said the spectacle is not merely the apparatus of media, but the relations between individuals themselves as mediated by the stream of images that represent their daily lived experience of this pseudo reality. And so now it's the appearances of appearances. So it's like, okay, I'm consuming a certain amount of information, sure, but I'm also consuming how this information should be consumed. So you're listening to other people give their opinion, and surely a lot of people give their opinion, and you're paying attention to how they're perceiving things, which is good but out of context and at an extreme, it becomes rather hard. And then we get into the spectacle as GDP growth. So it's really important that people end up consuming goods, number one, but then also consume the stories about the goods. So you're paying attention to the spectacle, paying attention to the appearance of appearances. As Jean-Luc Nancy said, suggests there's no society without the spectacle because society is the spectacle of itself. So we've gotten to this point where everything is perception, where everything is constantly being some sort of spectacle something to pay attention to, which becomes almost impossible to exist in. And so Guy Debord says here, the spectacle must not be understood as a product of the mass image technologies, but rather it's identical with the justification of the system it represents because it constitutes a totality and emerges as the purpose of modern consumer society. So now the purpose, this illusion of truth, is sort of the reason that we do all these things. And this get you know, you scroll on social media, I do this all the time. You read things, oh, you're like, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough, I'm not good enough. Like, you know, you're on Instagram and you see all these people and you're like, I'm not good enough. But part of the issue with like the extension of technology, the growth of technology past social media is AI. So LLMs learn from text, which is a shadow of the world, and which is sort of like Plato's cave, right? So LLMs are looking at text, they are seeking reality within a digital confine, just like we are. But the issue with AI learning from text is that, that is a perception of reality is an illusion of the truth to a certain extent. Of course, this precedes AI though, because we have algorithms and YouTube's algorithm is notorious for favoring certain thumbnails and favoring clickability. And Mr. Beast is a really good example of this where he's all about opulence, you know? Some of the video titles are absurd, but he has this massive big smile on as he's talking about a million dollar home and, and purchasing one, whatnot. 
and he's living this illusion of reality that only he exists in, but millions of millions of people end up consuming. And it can feel really disorienting to see like this giant smile, but he knows that he has to do that because of how the algorithm rewards it. The videos themselves are about opulence, but not like enjoying it, just relishing in its existence. This algorithm to Elon Musk's Twitter too. So Elon Musk's Twitter has <laughs> spread so much disinformation and misinformation because of monetization. So people know that they can make money from spreading, spreading falseness, from saying, okay, that well, this video isn't necessarily real, but if I post it, I'll get paid. And so now we have people fabricating the truth, fabricating an illusion that is not in any certain sense of the word real. But people go and click on it, and that ends up being their interpretation of the world around them. They're like, well, I saw this video about it. I saw this video of somebody saying it was real. And so the illusion becomes shattered because we are able to add more and more to it. It becomes warped and it becomes messed up. Mr. Beast is not necessarily an example of misinformation, but he's an example of the power of algorithms and the power of the digital confine and how it ends up shaping our world. And there's this clip of two women talking about their mental illness and how their mental illness defines them. Like, I want a little bit of attention. Me. Or I want to start a fight. Yeah, back to our mental illnesses, that's part of it. I love my mental illness. Me too, it makes me me. <laughs> <laughs> my mental illness literally makes me me. I don't right? care. <laughs> I don't care. I, I know, don't. how boring if we didn't have that. Like they're like, I wouldn't be anything if I wasn't mentally ill, which is really bizarre, but when you think about it, they're, they're trying to use mental illness as a way of forming an identity. They're like, I have ADHD or I have OCD. Like, that's who I am. A person that has something wrong with them. But it's not something wrong with me. It's just how I am. And it becomes really confusing because you end up wanting to build some sort of community around sickness. And in a world that rewards an element of clickability, of you know, media headlines going negative because ad clickability loves negative news. Well, if you're sick, that's negative. More clickability, right? And so it's things like that, you know, people seeking community, people seeking some element of attention, people just seeking truth. Like, why do I feel bad? And so they end up creating an element of alienation from reality through their mental illness. I don't identify with the reality that exists in because X and X is wrong with me. I don't identify with the people around me because X and X is wrong with me. I don't identify with myself because X and X is wrong with me. There's this other TikTok that is this woman talking about how to join the silent walk movement, which is awesome. Get outside, walk around. But walking exists and she's, she's taking out her AirPods and she's like, just come on, like go for a walk and not have music in your ears. And number one, and maybe it's a meme, I don't know, but it's also this idea of like, we are constantly able to live in a world that we want to live in. We are constantly able to live in the illusion of truth by just having music in, by just having a podcast in. You're able to tune out from your surroundings through integrating with technology, you're able to have AI implement, you know, enhance whatever you're doing. You're able to live on social media, a world that maybe you don't live in now. You're able to fabricate, okay, well, I am really skinny. Just look at the Facetune app. I do have a mental illness. Just, I was diagnosed by a TikTok doctor, things like that. And so uh, hey, so editing Kyla here. When I'm talking about mental illness, I'm not meant to be reducing the severity of mental illness because obviously it's very severe for some people, definitely, and I don't know anyone's personal situation outside of my own. 
I'm just more so calling out how it has been co-opted by elements of social media where, you know, there's like ADHD TikTok and things like that, where people are getting diagnosed by um, the algorithm. And that's more so what I'm talking about versus being like mental illness isn't real because uh, it's, it's definitely real. Like, you know, we live in a world where it's almost impossible not to have some sort of brain dysfunction. So with the silent walk movement, it's a sign that people want community. Mental illness, a sign that people want community. Mr. Beastification, to a certain extent, a sign that people want community. Also weird stuff with opulence and algorithms. Twitter is actually not a sign that people want community, but a sign of the degradation of media and how it has trended negative because of clickability, because of monetizing. And then of course, the other examples I was talking about, the silent walk movement, the mental illness, to an extent, Mr. Beastification, as people responding to monetizing every single thing that we do, responding to the alienation that you feel when every single thing that you do can be a dollar sign. And that's what the society of the spectacle is kind of about. When it becomes entirely predicated on the appearance of appearances, when the spectacle is GDP growth, when everything just boils down to you living in some sort of fabricated universe that's when things get really weird and we're seeing elements of that now just based on how often we have to interact with social media how often we have to interact with each other online the pandemic exacerbated that so plato's cave going back to the beginning most people are not just comfortable in their ignorance but hostile to anybody who points it out so that was another thing with him going back down and being like yo guys get out of here like it's pretty freaky is the other prisoners were like dude we freaking can't man you're nutso and that's part of the issue is like okay so we live in this illusion is the only truth right but <laughs> when you you can't convince people that their illusion isn't real and so that ends up being why the illusion matters more than the truth why we're losing ourselves is that when you stop caring it's no longer an illusion it's the reality and so that's how plato's cave and Guy Debord's society the spectacle all tie together is it's this idea of okay well i know that what i'm living in isn't real but there isn't anything i can do about it and so this the appearance of the appearance matters more than whatever is actually going on because i don't know what's actually going on and so when we talk about this in context of the economy the spectacle is gdp growth and so, you know, media headlines driven by monetizing and Twitter driven by monetizing, consumerism highly driven by making people feel insecure on social media. Ad dollars are how all the big tech companies it made a lot of money, like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of it. It's all ads. It's all selling you some image of what it is. And like, none of this is bad, right? Like, not, like bad or good, however you want to interpret it. It's just here. And so when we talk about the society of spectacle, we talk about the information that we're consuming, especially in a time of intense geopolitical conflict like we're in now, it's really important to check, to see who am I getting information from? Do I trust them? Do I know that they know what they're talking about? Or are they just prescribing to the illusion as the truth? And that's what's really important about media literacy and how we interact with the world around us. It's really easy to get lost. And I, you know, I, it's happened to me, like I'm not, <laughs> like I'm not immune from this, right? Like, but it's really important to pay attention and to say, okay, well, is this an appearance of an appearances? Is this an illusion that somebody's trying to sell to me as the truth? Am I stuck in my cave right now, right? Like, is somebody saying, hey, look, 
sun's outside and you're like, oh, but the shadows are on the wall, dude. I'm like, can't get out. <laughs> That's all. So, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for spending time with me. I hope that you all are doing okay out there and I will talk to you very soon.